Hello, and welcome to Let the Record Show. This is a Civia Law podcast. I'm Callie Mize, attorney at Civia Law, where we help you through life's transitions. Today, I'm going to be talking about your duties as your parent's guardian. But first, just a reminder, if you have any questions about this topic or anything regarding estate planning, probate, and more, you can visit our website at www.civialaw.com for our blog and more resources to help you. So guardianship can be a really kind of challenging topic for people to talk about. And usually people have a lot of questions when it comes to guardianship, mainly in what cases would a court have to appoint a guardian? So usually, and I say usually because we have the upsetting precedent of the Britney Spears conservatorship, Uh, But usually it's when a person cannot independently take care of themselves, i.e. like they're not remembering to eat, go to the bathroom, properly groom themselves, etc. I was once in a house where before I even got to the door, I could smell the cat urine and there was this little old lady inside. She's about four foot tall, blind as a bat with all these withered cats. And she probably hadn't bathed in, I don't even know how long it had been. So that's that's kind of the extreme end of, of the spectrum. Another thing that you see is older people being taken advantage of with scams. There's always one or two going around. So if you see your parent, grandparent spending all their money, I always talk about the Prince of Prince of Nigeria scheme, um, you know, where they're doing that to the point where if it goes much farther, they're going to be bankrupt and they're giving away all their money with very few conscious, rational decisions. That's something to consider as well if you're contemplating getting a guardianship. A lot of people ask, is there a way that I can be sure that I'm appointed to be my parents' guardian? Again, going to use the the favored legal term, it depends. So first of all, if your parent is married, the court will probably want to know why the spouse can't be the guardian. And there could be a lot of reasons. They may not want to, or they may waive that right, or they're unable to care for themselves as well. Oftentimes it is a spouse who is in a nursing home, the other spouse is in the family home, and the spouse in the family home just simply can't take care of themselves. You know, if your parent is single, your siblings will have the same right as you to become guardian, but they can sign waivers to say, look, I have this right, I know I have this right, but I'm choosing not to exercise it. So if you're an only child, the path will probably be a little bit easier. If you have siblings who, you know, either don't want to take on that responsibility or they can't right now, they can sign waivers that will clear the path for you to become guardian. The next question is, do I need to have a power of attorney as a guardian? And This gets a little murky, and I'm going to throw out probably some legal terms here, so I'm going to try and do my best to explain it here. So the person who is the subject of the power of attorney, we usually call them the principal, they have to name the power of attorney or the agent. For this to happen, that principal has to have the capacity to appreciate his or her decisions. So they have to be able to know what they are doing, why they're doing it, and the consequences of those actions. So for example, I had a client come in, this is probably about a year ago, wanting to get a power of attorney for their mother, which, okay, fine, but 
when I talked to the mother, she obviously didn't have capacity. And what do I mean by that? So first of all, she didn't know what year it was. She didn't know who her children were. She actually identified her son as her husband. Um, she didn't remember her husband had passed. So she obviously didn't have the capacity to enter into an important legal agreement. And it's really important to make sure that the person who is signing the power of attorney does have that capacity to appreciate what they're entering into, because this can be really rife with fraud or with, you know, a younger girlfriend trying to take advantage of an older male. So it can be really, really important just to make sure that that person has capacity. And that's something that I really take seriously as an attorney to talk to every single person who's signing a power of attorney document, have a conversation with them, make sure that they understand what they're doing. Usually what I see when people come in wanting a power of attorney is that they've just been diagnosed with some form of early onset dementia or some other sort of degenerative disease where they're going to lose capacity, but they haven't lost it yet. So they're still able to make the intelligent, conscious decision to give their power of attorney to their spouse, child, etc., and then in that case, then if the situation arises, they may choose to enter into a guardianship later. But it should be noted that a person who holds power of attorney can trump a guardian's power per the Illinois statute. So it's really imperative that the guardian and the POA are the same person because you don't want to enter into a situation where, you know, you as the guardian have placed your parent in a nursing home and then the power of attorney comes in and can just trump all, all the work that you have just done. So another question that I get is people are like, well, my parent is already disabled, but I don't have power of attorney. What do I do? This is a situation where you would have to petition the court for guardianship and depending on the state and the circumstances, again, I can only speak to Illinois, is that you may be able to get a temporary or emergency guardianship rather quickly, but it is a process and the court will have to determine that the person at issue in the guardianship case is at the level required for a guardianship, which we did talk about earlier, you know, unable to act independently, to take care of themselves, and essentially to make rational decisions that will not negatively affect them. And don't forget, for awesome listeners of this podcast, if you mention Let the Record Show, uh, you will get 10% off of your estate plan. So that is it. Remember, if you have any questions about this topic or anything regarding estate planning, probate, or more, you can visit our website, www.civialaw.com, for our blog and more resources. I'm Kelly Mize, attorney at Civia Law, where we help you through life's transitions. Hope to see you soon. The information you obtain in this podcast or on our site is not nor is it intended to be legal advice. You should consult an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established.